With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. I'm Mike Warren, Senior Editor at the Dispatch. And today we're talking with Liam Donovan, a Republican lobbyist and advisor who was my go-to source for all questions on process and politics when it comes to Capitol Hill. We'll talk about the state of things right now as Congress barrels toward a government shutdown. Can the Senate save the government? Will the House Republican Conference get their act together? We're going to talk about all of that in just a moment. Welcome to the Dispatch Podcast. Okay, Liam, let's take stock of where we are. We are recording this on Tuesday morning, September 26th. It is, uh, what, essentially five days until the government shuts down as we record it. And things are looking uh, pretty bleak in terms of avoiding the shutdown, but the Senate is doing their darndest to try to come up with some kind of short-term strategy for getting the government funded. Uh, it would be uh, 45 days worth of Ukraine aid at the, at, at a certain level, disaster money. Um, uh, I guess that's the, that's what the Biden White House is pushing. The Senate may be not able to get that. Uh, what is going on? Uh, how should we judge whether the Senate uh, after the House was unable to get something passed last week, how the Senate is doing and how likely that is to uh, to actually pass. Sure, I think that's been the undercover story to some degree. While everybody's had eyes on the House and their dysfunction, uh, this work period was supposed to go very differently for the Senate. They were supposed to spend that first two weeks working through a series of non-controversial bipartisan appropriations bills that would make the pressure overwhelming on the House to accept whatever the Senate dictated. And it was expected at that point to be something longer on the CR side, something that included a full supplemental that likely included significant disaster relief and, and maybe a, a full complement for Ukraine. Um, uh, that did not <laughs> turn out to be the case as um, we saw almost a mirror image where uh, one or two members really were able to break down that process. And because the Senate um, while it's not the majoritarian body that the House is, um, it, it functions on consent largely in, in terms of moving, um, process along and without getting all hundred senators to be able to say, okay, we're going to move on, uh, in this fashion. Um, they had to kind of throw up their hands and we've now cycled through to the CR. We've left behind the appropriations bills themselves. And what that's left us with is, as you described, something that is not very ambitious, but I think that's actually very positive if you're looking at um, a relatively smooth, and I say relatively smooth, resolution. Because unlike it, we might have expected heading into this month, the Senate isn't looking to shove it down the House's throat. Um, this is a pretty benign 
um, uh, CR pitch. And even if it's not something that, that the House or McCarthy can take up right away, it's still what you'd probably imagine the House eventually go along with, even if it's painful to get there. So uh, the problem for the Senate is, based again on the fact that they only move quickly with full consent, um, uh, they need that consent to get it done by Saturday, which is the deadline to fund the government. You have three rounds of cloture. You have, you know, hours of debate here, there, and everywhere. Um, so they are going to need to figure out how to give the squeaky wheels what they want in order to speed up that timetable and get anything over to the House to even be in a position to avoid a technical shutdown. Yeah, it seems functionally things are all topsy-turvy here, right? I mean, as you point out, the Senate... It's deliberative. It is supposed to slow things down. It should not be the body that's taking the lead on uh, how to uh, fund the government from here on out. This should be the purview of the House of Representatives. It's uh, action-oriented. It is majoritarian. Uh, and yet, the House couldn't get its act uh, together. Well, my question uh, with the Senate is, uh, is Senate leadership, the Democratic Senate leadership, thinking in terms of what could potentially pass in the House, uh, this narrow House majority that Kevin McCarthy has? Are they really having to tweak things here uh, and, and are making decisions based on uh, the sort of chaos that they're seeing on the other side of the Capitol? Um, is, uh, how is uh, what they're watching in the House affecting how Senate leadership is thinking this through? This less ambitious proposal is essentially uh, a recognition that the House uh, Republican you know, leadership is in a bind, right? You know, I think there's some of that, but uh, it's not only that. And that's why I raised the fact that the Senate has not been able to move as, as smoothly as, as they expected. And so I think the... Um, the less ambitious version of a CR is also a reflection and a recognition that the Senate hasn't been able to uh, exert the sort of leverage you might have expected. Um, I do think that this is all about the path of least resistance. Um, the thing we haven't talked about that I think is also relevant is that Rand Paul uh, spoke up and indicated that he would not support uh, moving forward with anything uh, that included significant Ukraine uh, uh, additional spending. And so I think that helped the House in a major way because, um, you know, CRs aren't usually sturdy enough to sustain anything that's not fairly um, consensus. And so if the Senate sent something over with significant chunk of Ukraine funding, it would be really tough on the House. Um you know, I don't think they're necessarily only doing it to out of out of uh, you know courtesy to the House. I think is as much about trying to get through something through the Senate chamber as well, and a realization that um, you know uh, later in the year the subsequent funding package that's going to be required will be sturdier and more able to uh, to carry that kind of a load. Again, before we get to the House here. Is Ukraine funding in uh, real trouble, or is this just something that's that that Congress is going to have to deal with after they get through the general spending issue? I mean, it's certainly a problem. I mean, look, they are they are um, eliding the problem for now, but um, that doesn't make it any tougher. I think the will of these majorities ends up carrying out. I mean, you do have sixty votes, more than sixty votes in the Senate, and you know three hundred some votes in the House, but. Um, that doesn't make it easy. Um, and part of why you hitch it to bigger things is so it can't be singled out and, um, uh, uh, 
you know, sort of picked apart, attacked, and but yeah. it also means that when you have a vocal minority, like you, you have an overwhelming majority who is that is not that uh, by and large not that vocal, but you have this screeching minority that is very um, loud and powerful in some ways uh, with uh, the standard bearer of one of the major parties out there uh, making a big issue of it. So um, it, it's a point; it's a pain point for sure. Uh, if I'm if I'm a betting man, I think it will get done later in the year. But um, I think it's it's overly sanguine to say, oh, no issues. They're just you know we're still in a strong position. If they could do it here and now, they would, and they're not able to, and that's not a good sign for for you know proponents of Ukraine aid. Okay, let's turn to the House uh, and the House Republicans. It feels like certainly you and I, and, and I'm not the only journalist you talk to about these issues. It feels like we're having the same conversation all the time for years now about the House Republican conference. And now that they're back in the majority, uh, it's the same old song, uh, to quote the four tops. We were talking back in, uh, January and then in back in May, uh, just over text. I think we did a podcast. Uh, it's the same problem. You've got a, this very small number of Republicans in the house, um, who are essentially intractable. They can't, they don't want to give Kevin McCarthy or the House majority any wins unless their demands are met. That's at least what they're saying. It's what it appears to be. Um, eventually, Republicans were able to get Kevin McCarthy over the finish line to become speaker. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was very successful uh, earlier this year at, uh, at pushing uh, forward a spending bill uh, or I guess I should say, actually, the it's it was it's hard to keep all of these straight, Liam. Uh, it was the uh, uh, the debt ceiling uh, deal, uh, and uh, there was a threat, it seemed, to his speakership there. Uh, and yet here we are again. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is once again on a knife's edge, uh, and you have people like Matt Gates and others, uh, people from the House Freedom Caucus, who are making problems for Kevin McCarthy. Zoom us back. Why do we keep seeing this problem? And is there any sense that we're going to, the story is going to change at some point? Maybe not now, but maybe soon. I mean, it, it is Groundhog Day in, in uh, every respect. I think, um, <laughs> you know, th- the last nine months have been instructive in a lot of ways. I mean, we are full circle to, to January, the same cast of characters involved in creating the problems. But as you mentioned, um, there was a relatively functional period when the house had its first big test. And I think, you know, what's notable here, and it's not just like looking at the past year, but it's looking at the past really 10 to 12 years. Um, these same members and their uh, forebearers um, have always been um, sort of pushed aside by speakers and, and marginalized because they weren't necessary. What's different about this Congress and what's different about this speaker was that he had no choice but to sort of put them in the game and take their, you know, take his chances, put him on the rules committee. He's been begging, pleading, uh, doing whatever he could to get their support. Now, this is a, this is a function not only of the narrow majority, right? Of at now at this point, it's four seats essentially that Republicans have, but also that the conference itself is ideologically, uh, less 
moderate or more conservative. Um, it's, it's sort of both of those aspects, uh, working together. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just, I think that's an important context. No, no, I think it's, you're right. I mean, it's, it's compounded. I think that this, um, this, um, wing of the party has long existed, certainly post Tea Party. Um, it has only grown, um, and the incentives have only reinforced this style. Um, while pushing out people that didn't want to stick around in a conference where this is um, how things were going. But the truly, um, I think, indelible part of this Congress is that margin so that, you know, even if you had the same number of people, the dozen, 20 people, you think back to Boehner and the the mutineers trying to come after him, it was never quite enough. Same thing with Ryan. Uh, But that same number is more than enough, you know, uh, under, under MacArthur. And so, what he managed to forge in January and what they ultimately sort of demanded was what they referred to as a coalition type arrangement, almost a parliamentary approach to governing. Um, they're almost a third party in a way and their ongoing, um, uh, participation and, and buy-in was necessary to keep going. You saw proof of concept. Uh, for this back in May and June. And I know we talked about it at the time as it was happening, but you saw what nominal success looked like of the house passing what the unified house could pass, establishing a bargaining position, empowering the speaker to go to the democratic Senate and the democratic white house. And in that case, I guess just directed the white house and negotiate what could be got right. Um, turned out going through that exercise, having empowered him, you know, given him their votes to, to, uh, uh, to, um, find victory, incremental victory or otherwise, um, they didn't like what was possible. And I think that's what this is a function of is a realization that, wait, if we do everything right and we trust the speaker and we all stick together, we are team players. We're still going to end up with a bill that we don't like that our constituents are going to complain about. And so why bother? And so um, I think that's the reality that we're dealing with. And that's not going to change when you only have the house with a democratic Senate and a democratic white house. And that house majority is paper thin. You only have so much leverage and doesn't matter how intransigent you are. It doesn't matter whether you shut it down or default or anything like that. You, your leverage is only as much as you can muster for what you can be for. And that just doesn't really work in this, in this arrangement. And so, um, you get back into the same dysfunction where the individual incentives of these members is to just say, forget this, let's shut it down. Um, the, the catch is that the majority is ultimately, well, you can't get to 218 without these handful of holdouts. And really you have to think about this. Like, as you mentioned, the, the, the conference has gotten more ideologically conservative or, or populist or however you want to say it. Um, but we're really only talking about about five, six, maybe a handful more at any given time that are truly, um, not willing to take yes for an answer, not willing to name their price because they don't really want anything except to make leadership squirm. Um, and, and that's what is going to, that's what's the problem here. That's what's going to continue to be a problem and what McCarthy's goal and ultimately his challenges is to really consolidate his support among the 210 or so members who can 
who can be reasoned with and marginalize the others such that his ongoing speakership is is safe because you're only talking about a handful of unreasonable people um, that uh, that are holding this thing up for, for everyone else. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we'll take a quick break to hear from Aura. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. And I'll tell you, not only have I given this picture frame to all the moms in my life, but I'm an only child and it's been really fun to see my friends with siblings give this frame to their moms and it turn into a passive aggressive war to see which siblings can upload more pictures of their children. The Aura app is so easy. You can sit there at the end of the day while you're watching TV and just upload a couple pictures from the day and really show your brother-in-law who's boss. From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, and even the friends in your life, every mom loves an Aura frame. Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code DISPATCH at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, and you know, I think we saw this and, and and as a reporter, I'm always looking for, okay, we may say it's the same old story, but hey, something different is happening here. And, and, and this happened when I thought McCarthy did a pretty savvy job of putting two pretty strident members of the House Freedom Caucus uh, in a room with two members of the we call them moderate, but they're really not moderate. They're pretty conservative, but but from sort of moderate districts uh, from the Main Street uh, caucuses, the problem-solving kind of uh, group, to come up with some kind of proposal uh, before it was completely scuttled by Matt Gates and his and that crew of four or five others um, uh, of some kind of spending CR proposal that they could at least start the negotiations with the Democratic Senate with. Uh, that was uh, Scott Perry, a very populist pro-Trump uh, Freedom Caucus chairman, and Byron Donalds, uh, again, another sort of outspoken, always on Fox News conservative. Uh, they came up with a plan. And I was struck by... <laughs> how uh, an, an 
I don't mean this as an insult, although they may take it as one, how sort of establishmentarian they, they were in their defense, uh, and, you know, in the, in, in the, in the media. And it sounded like in their private conference meeting last week, how, 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 uh, establishmentarian they were. Hey guys, let's all, we got to come together. This is, this is the best we can do at this point. Um, and I started to see those fissures, which I guess have always existed, even in the, the sort of populist far-right Freedom Caucus, um, between people who want to get something done and people who really are there just to, uh, you know, be the fly in, uh, you, you know, in the punch bowl for, uh, for Kevin McCarthy. Is there any sense that the sort of, even these populist strident conservatives throwing their hands up, could that, uh, and saying, you know, I'm very right wing, but these guys are really nuts and don't won't take yes for an answer. Is there any movement because there are they have now experienced the pain and frustration that Kevin McCarthy has been experiencing? I mean, the frustration is definitely building within the conference. There's no question about that, and and it really does go back full circle January because remember there were hold there were twenty some holdouts. When you think about the first ballot and that kind of thing, right? And it was it was the same people. It was it was Scott Perry and Chip Roy who were negotiating the agreement or the understanding with McCarthy. Um, and they ultimately got it down by the seventh ballot to like six people or whatever it was, the same exact people. <laughs> right. And that's because they were able to, he gave them whatever they wanted. The store was open. He was bargaining. What do you need? What do you need? What, let's, let's make a deal. Let's make something happen. It's the exact same thing here. Not only did Perry and did the Freedom Caucus Main Street kind of framework come out, even after that, they went to conference and said, go to Byron Donald's, tell him what you need. We will give you whatever you need. <laughs> so right. it's the same exact thing where at a certain point, you're not dealing with people that actually want anything that you can give them because what they want is for you to suffer political pain and discomfort. Um, I do think that that begins to alienate elements of the conference. But at the end of the day, um, you know, y- you have to get around them or go through them. And I don't think we're there yet. And that's what the balance is here is um, McCarthy needs to play this out such that um, he's met that threshold for the, the overwhelming majority of his conference to be with him, to, to feel like they have cover. Um, and, you know, look, at the end of the day, we know, I mean, two, two points, I guess. One, the government will be funded. And it will be funded with Democratic votes because it needs to be signed by a Democratic president and go through a Democratic Senate. That means it's going to have Democratic votes in the House. So the only question is, when and how does that happen? By what means? Um, th- there is at once um, no immediate acute pain that is likely to be felt through this shutdown from a political standpoint, which on the one hand may feel like, well, it could go on forever. It could be like the last one. It goes on indefinitely and nobody feels any pain. Um, the flip side of that, the flip side of that is that if there's no pain, there's no actual leverage and there's no, there's no agreed upon objective here. So other than blowing off some steam, uh, there's diminishing returns. So it becomes that threshold question for McCarthy, at which point, um, you have to say, okay, we've indulged this. We've demonstrated there's no leverage on the other side of this cliff. Um, and most of your conference is probably going to be with you if it comes time to, let's say, you think there's only a limited number of ways that this can be resolved. One is you just make a deal with Democrats because 
The Senate version of the CR is fine and they'll work with you on the rule. That's, that's the real problem here is that, that rule layer, that procedural layer that the majority has to carry. If you don't have a majority, uh, on your own, you're sort of hat in hand. Um, this is, and, and, and just for, just for listeners to, to sort of understand them, the, the House of Representatives operates, uh, based on the majority set rules. And if the majority, you, if you can't get Republicans in Congress to agree on the rule by which you are then voting on the thing you are voting on, uh, you're in deep trouble. And it is not the kind of place like in the Senate where, uh, you know, people will accept other members from the other side of the aisle to get, uh, to get closure, as they call it in the Senate, to get the rule passed in the House. Um, it's kind of a big no-no, uh, right? Uh, you know, majorities rule in the House and, uh, that could be a real problem. It brings me to a question, Liam, that maybe pedestrian. This is give listeners like this is sometimes I will text Liam questions and he will basically be like, no, that's, that, that's not going to happen. And, uh, so this is how I learn, uh, and, and try to figure this out. But I think it is worth a- asking because we have been focused, uh, in our coverage, uh, and, and others as well on the 18 Republicans from districts that Joe Biden won in the 2020 election. And some of them are more vocal than others, but they're getting really frustrated too. Um, they have their seats to be concerned about in 2024. Um, is there either on the spending issue in, in the micro sense or in the macro sense, is there any chance that some kind of consensus across the aisle, uh, a group kind of takes control out of Kevin McCarthy's hands? or out of the four or five uh, hard right members of the Republican conference and actually tries to forge something. It sounds crazy to anybody who covers the house and knows the house. And yet these are crazy times. Am I crazy for bringing this up? No, you're not. I mean, I, I'll say this. Um, there was an inordinate amount of attention too much. I would say uh, on the mechanism of the so-called discharge petition. Um, um, and so when nobody could figure out how a, the debt limit was going to be raised, that one of the theories was, well, we have this discharge petition that was never really going to happen. And it never needed to happen because the house got its act together and actually, you know, bargained sort of in, in good faith. But what that left in its wake was, there is a vehicle that has ripened and has the signatures of, I believe, 212, maybe it's 213 Democrats, and therefore would only require a handful of Republicans to cross over, sign that petition. And in a, in an interesting trick of sort of rules magic, it creates a vehicle that is fill in the blank. It's whatever, in this case, Richie Neal, whatever the ranking member of the Ways and Means Committee offers an, as an amendment the day before. Um, becomes what the House considers. Now, uh, there are various reasons why that's a big no-no to sign a discharge petition. Um, there are reasons why there might be mistrust as to what the Democrats would offer um, if you signed that line. But if you are those members in those districts and, and have that level of frustration, um, one, you might genuinely be willing to do it. And two, indicating a willingness to do it is about the only thing you can you can do to give 
provide leverage to McCarthy to have leverage yourself to make these guys buckle. At the end of the day, I'm at, I I compare it to the legislated version of Saw, uh, where these guys are just kind of torturing McCarthy, and the only tool he has there to free himself is um, some sort of uh, avenue with Democrats, um, other than using Democrats to get around this rules problem, it's discharged. That keeps his hands free, right? There's no fingerprints on this if, if uh, you know, Mike Lawler and Don Bacon, whomever, signed this discharge petition, and let's say they put in the Senate version of CR, great. Your immediate problem is solved, but the long-term problem persists, which is, number one, you're right back at square one in 45 days or two months or whatever, because you still have to fund the government for the rest of the year. So we're going to be right back in the same position, only you're going to have an even more intractable and ticked off, uh, you know, base of, of nihilistic, uh, uh, members standing in your way. So it's, it, there are a couple tricks that you can use, but as a sustainable majority, it's really hard to muster that, um, short of a, a an understanding with your counterparts on the democratic side, which again, remember at the end of the day, that's really what Matt Gates and those guys want is to force McCarthy into that position where he has to betray them, right? I mean, that, that is very obviously what's happening here. You know, the, the problem for them as ever, and it might not be a problem because they're just, they're not really after anything, is there's nobody obvious who would come in, in McCarthy's wake. It's not clear who could do the job and get the votes. It's not clear who would want to do the job or get the votes. So right. I think that the, the song remains the same in that regard. But I think that's the thing that people need to bear in mind. For all the drama this week, next week, maybe the next, few weeks or months, this is all just a windup for what's going to be a much more painful process with much bigger stakes at the end of the year when we have to, God forbid, do an omnibus or take up, because this is just a CR, this is just keeping the government lights on. The funding levels on September 30th are the same as October 1st, um, unless you screw this up. And so the CR should be the easy part, especially with what the Senate's, they're not trying to shove it down your throat. This shouldn't be hard. But at this point, it's not uh, entirely rational what we're doing. Uh, so at the end of the year, it's going to be that much trickier and weightier. And remember, part of the debt limit deal was if we don't pass those full year bills, there's a 1% across the board haircut. And that's that's only in the event that we have a CR that continues into next year and it has to go significantly into next year. But that's not nothing. That's going to be real. That's going to be real potential pain as opposed to right now, yes. we have several months for Congress to get their act together. Uh, you've now put a new sort of image or metaphor in my head on this, Liam, which is uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, in the uh, disgusting bathroom chained to the wall like Carrie Elways and Saw, and Matt Gates wearing the mask of the serial killer uh, in that movie. It's, it, it works too well, and I'm a little disturbed by it, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep at night. Uh, Liam Donovan, thanks so much for joining us. We, we've got, we'll have to do this again in December, as you just said. So, uh, let's find some time to discuss that. Uh, who knows? Maybe by the time this podcast posts, everybody will come to their senses. They'll have some kind of agreement. The Senate will fast track it, uh, and we'll avoid a government shutdown. I'm not counting on it, and I don't think you are either. I'm not holding my breath. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, Liam Donovan, thanks so much for joining the Dispatch Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Anytime.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.